Welcome, welcome, welcome to the podcast of the Right Reverend Riles. Coming at you today with over 35 years of experience in full-time Christian work, ministry, and church service. So I hope you enjoy today's podcast. Blessings. Let's talk about the history of the Bible, specifically the King James Bible and why we use that translation. I did a Zoom cast with my friends, Marie and Erwin Sarazin, and you can see it on Erwin Sarazin's Facebook page if you want to watch the Zoom cast. But for this podcast, I want to go more in depth into the history of the Bible and perhaps some information on why we use the King James Bible. So maybe with these lessons, we'll do subjects on all major Bible doctrines. That's a good idea. I need to tell Erwin and Marie that idea and get them ready for our next Zoom cast. But we'll let that be a surprise to them. I'll drop it on on them at the last minute. So let's talk about the Word of God. This information comes from Wilmington's Bible Handbook and other sources, including Christianity Today magazine. The Bible is the biggest bestseller of all time. The Bible is God's Word. God's Spirit would move or breathe on the authors of the Bible, and they they would write down the inspiration that they got from God's Spirit. And they would write that down on whatever recording instrument was available. It could have been leather, parchment, vellum. It could have been papyrus. Um, It could have been on stone. It could have been in clay. Whatever was available at the time, God's word has been preserved, not only by God, but by Christians as well, and God using Christians to help preserve his word. So let's go through a timeline. Creation, we're thinking maybe um, BC 2000. We believe that the earliest scriptures are handed down from generation to generation by oral means. That's our best guess. We're not sure about that. They could have some means of recording it. Um, We can't always tell the time of the earliest recordings that we get that may be stone, maybe in clay. We're not exactly sure. But around that 2000 BC time, the book of Job, we believe, was recorded by Job himself, perhaps the oldest book in the Bible. Then around 1500 to 1400, B.C., the stone tablets, the Ten Commandments, are given to Moses at Mount Sinai, and they're put inside the Ark of the Covenant. About B.C. 1400, the original Hebrew Bible from the 1400s to 400, the original Hebrew Bible, 39 Old Testament books, 
are completed. The book of the law is kept in the tabernacle and later the temple beside the Ark of the Covenant. And mainly the character's title describes who wrote the book. Not always the case, but we believe the book of Joshua was written by Joshua. Moses, of course, wrote the Pentateuch, the first um, five books of the Bible. Around B.C. 300, all the original Old Testament Hebrew books have been written, collected, and recognized as official canonical books. B.C. 250 to 200, the Septuagint, a Greek translation of the Hebrew, is produced. A.D. 45 to 100, or I should say 45 to 100 A.D., the original 27 books of the Greek New Testament are written. 140 to 150 A.D., some errant uh, heretical New Testaments are produced and promoted, and Orthodox Christians seek to establish a actual New Testament canon. And by canon, I mean copy of the Word of God that is agreeable by Orthodox Christians at the time that this is a accurate copy. 200 AD, the Torah is recorded. 305 to 310 AD, Lucian of Antioch, this Greek New Testament, becomes the basis for what we call the Texas Receptus. 312 AD, the Codus Vaticanus is possibly among the original 50 copies of the Bible ordered by Emperor Constantine. It's kept in the Vatican Library in Rome, and nobody really looks at it. It just sits there. 367 AD, Athanasius of Alexandria identifies the complete New Testament canon, 27 books for the first time. 382 to 384 AD, St. Jerome translates the New Testament from the original Greek into Latin. This translation becomes part of the Latin Vulgate. 397 AD, 3rd Synod of Carthage approves the New Testament canon, 27 books. 390 to 405 AD, St. Jerome translates the Hebrew Bible into Latin and completes the Latin Vulgate manuscript. It includes the 39 Old Testament books, 27 New Testament books, and the 14 books of the Apocrypha. And by the way, the Apocrypha was never really considered original part of the canon. It was just included um, for reference. 500 AD, the scriptures have been translated into multiple languages, not limited to, but including the Egyptian, the Alexandrius, the Coptic, the Ethiopian, the Gothic, the Armenian, and some other translations. 600 AD, the Roman Catholic Church declares Latin as the only language for scripture. Very interesting, isn't it? Check your history, look it up. Why did they do that? 680 AD, Cadman, English poet and monk, renders Bible books and stories in Anglo-Saxon poetry and song. 735 AD, Bede, English historian and monk, translate the Gospels into Anglo-Saxon. 1229 AD, the Council of Toulouse strictly forbids and prohibits lay people from owning a Bible. Once again, the Catholic Church. Why did they do that? 1381, 1382 A.D., John Wycliffe and Associates, in defiance of the organized church, which at the time was Catholic, Catholic-style church, believed that people should be permitted to read the Bible in their own language, began to translate and produce the first handwritten manuscripts of the entire Bible in English. 
These include the 39 Old Testament books, 27 New Testament books, 1415 AD, 31 years after Wycliffe's death, the Council of Constance charges him with more than 260 counts of heresy. In 1428, 44 years after Wycliffe's death, the church officials dig up his bones, burn them, and scatter them into the Swift River. Why? Good question to ask. 1455, after the invention of the printing press in Germany, Johann Gutenberg produces the first printed Bible, the Gutenberg Bible. 1516, Desiderius Erasmus produces a Greek New Testament, a forerunner to the Texas Receptus. 1517, Daniel Bomberg's rabbinic Bible contains the first printed Hebrew version, the Masoretic text, with chapter divisions. 1522, Martin Luther translates and publishes the New Testament for the first time into German from the 1516 Erasmus edition. 1525, William Tyndale produces the first translation of the New Testament from Greek into English. 1527, Erasmus publishes a fourth edition Greek-Latin translation. 1535, Miles Coverdale's Bible completes Tyndale's work, producing the first complete Bible in the English language. 1536, Martin Luther translates the Old Testament into the commonly spoken dialect of the German people, completing his translation of the entire Bible. 1536, Tyndale is condemned as a heretic, strangled and burned at the stake. By who? The Catholic Church. Why? 1537, the Matthew Bible is published, combining the works of Tyndale, Coverdale, and John Rogers. 1539, the Great Bible, the first English Bible authorized for public use, is printed. 1546, the Roman Catholic Council, there it is again, Roman Catholic Council of Trent declares the Vulgate as the exclusive Latin authority for the Bible. 1560, the Geneva Bible is printed in Geneva, Switzerland. It is translated by English refugees and published by John Calvin's brother-in-law, William Whittingham. The Geneva Bible is the first English Bible to add numbered verses to the chapters. It becomes the significant Bible of the Protestant Reformation. 1568, the Bishop's Bible, a revision of the Great Bible, is introduced in England to complete with a popular but inflammatory toward the institutional church. Geneva Bible, 1582, pausing its thousand-year-old Latin-only policy, the Church of Rome, Catholic Church, produces the first English Catholic Bible, the Reims New Testament, from the Latin Vulgate. 1592, the Clementine Vulgate, a revision of the Latin Vulgate, becomes the authoritative Bible of the Catholic Church. 1609, the Douay Old Testament is translated into English by the Church of Rome, the complete and combined Douay-Rheims version. And then we finally get to 1611, the King James Bible, also called the Authorized Version of the Bible, is published. It is the most printed book in the history of the world, with more than one billion copies in print. And we'll end the history right there at 1611. There are other versions of the Bible that come out after this. And if we have time, which we do usually do not in these uh, talks that I give 
I like to keep these right at 30 minutes. Don't want to drag it on too long for you. Just give you some history in about half an hour snippets and then move on again. So you'll see me break these up into part one and part two if, the, if it gets too long that way. So that way you can listen while you're driving, listen while you're traveling, listen while you're doing other things around the house and you don't have to pause for an hour or two hours to listen to the whole version. If it do, does get too long, I will cut these messages and teachings up into pieces so you can listen to them at different times. So we'll stop right there at 1611, the King James Version, because it is our belief that the King James is the Word of God. And the question is, well, those of you that believe in the King James only, and the difference is between us and the history of the Catholic Church, is we believe it's up to you as an individual and a Christian you get to use whatever version of the Bible that you deem is the word of God. That's your choice, your freedom. But the Catholic Church in the past has not said so. They said you either use this version or you don't use anything else. It's ours, which normally was the Latin Vulgate version. So the question comes by many people, which version of the Bible is the real word of God? We just went through the entire history of the Bible. So, and why do you think the King James Version is the Word of God? So let's explain some of those things to you clearly so that you can understand them. Let's start this explanation with a question I often hear. Where was the Bible before 1611? Since you believe so much in the 1611 King James Bible, where was the Bible before 1611? Let me answer that question this way with a story, and then I'll come back and circle back around to answer that question. The Gospel of Matthew was written in 37 AD. That's four years after the death of Christ. The Gospel of Mark was written in 57 AD. Luke wrote his in 63. The book of Acts was written in 65. The epistles of Paul were written from 54 to 66 AD. Thessalonians was in 54. Galatians was in 58. 1 Corinthians was in 59. 2 Corinthians and Romans was in 60. Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, Philemon, and most likely Hebrews was written in 64. 1 Timothy and Titus was 65, and 2 Timothy, his last work, was 66. John wrote his gospel in 90 AD. John's three epistles, 90, as well as Jude, and then Revelation in 96. So after that timeline, let me ask a question. Since the book of Revelation was written in 96, where was the Bible before 96 AD? Think about it. The Bible says in Psalm 119, verse 89, Forever, O Lord, 
thy word is settled in heaven. So God says that his word has a permanent place in heaven. But in order for us to live the words of God, we have to have a record of God's word on earth. So is God powerful enough to preserve his word? Yes or no? If God is powerful enough to preserve his word, did he? If he did, where did he preserve it? Let me go to Acts chapter 2 and verse 41 and read this for you here. Acts 2:41. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. That was written by Luke in the book of Acts. The date on that of writing, the date of that writing is 33 AD. So the apostles preached the gospel in 33 AD, the same year that Christ died, and 3,000 people got saved. This is about 3,000, so more than 3,000. That great revival, that great work happened at 33 AD. Wait a minute. Matthew did not start writing his gospel until 37 AD. So what version of the Bible was Peter and the apostles using? Was God shackled and pinned down by not having a complete Bible written until 1611? a complete Bible all in one place. Because the Pentateuch, the law of Moses, was not in the same location with the Gospels. Many of the Gospels were not together in one location. So all the revivals that we've seen throughout the book of Acts, throughout the Gospels, the people being saved, the great things happening in the church, all took place with no complete copy of the word of God. Did that stop the power of God happening? Good question. People ask about the originals. Well, the word of God is only in the originals. It's a, it's a good thought, but let me pass this thought on to you. There are no originals, or I should say there, there is no original. All of what we accept today as canon, the Old and New Testament, books of the Bible, was never all in one place. So if you're asking about the original manuscript, there was none. How about this? There were 66 originals. Could God preserve one original text? Some books were just a single sheet, a manuscript. Could God preserve 66 original texts? Did he have to? If we have an accurate copy of the original Bible text in one complete volume, does God have to have original text for us to use? If we did have the originals, would anybody use them? Why? Why would they have to? No doubt people would say, okay, that's the originals, but since let's make it so everybody can use it, so let's make a copy of those something that's cheaper and easy to distribute among the people so everybody can have the word of God and the word of God can spread across the whole world. 
You said that would be a great idea, that that should happen. Ah, that's what I'm saying. It did happen. And that's where you get the King James Bible. How did 3,000 souls get saved without a complete Bible? The answer, in answering that original question, where was the Bible before 1611? There was enough of the Word of God to get the job done. That's the answer. Enough memorized Word of God, enough Word of God in the hearts and minds of the people to get the job done. If we lost our Bible today and they start burning Bibles again and persecution coming back to the Christians, which it looks like in this day and age, that's just around the corner where Christians will be persecuted again in America. And we lose our Bible. We don't have any copies of the Bible because they're all burned. Will the Bible still on live on? Will the truth of God's word still be preached? And still can people get saved? My answer is, and your answer should be, yes. You just have to figure out which one of the Bibles is the word of God for you. Clearly, evidence and logic from this study shows that logic and evidence proves the King James Version of the Bible. The Revised Standard Version was printed in 1881. So I can ask that same question to people that love the Revised Standard Version. Where was the Bible before 1881? Here's my challenge to everybody under the sound of my voice that does not believe in the King James Version of the Bible or does not use it or uses others. And I have much more respect from a person that says, no, the new international version is the word of God. That's the only one to use. That's the one that we use. We don't use anything else. Then for a person that says, well, I use all versions, whatever one feels good, okay? But whatever Bible that you have, here's my challenge to you. Read 10 chapters a day, or rather read 10 pages a day. Start your devotions and reading 10 pages out of your Bible a day. And then after a month, get back with me. The King James Bible was the Bible that built England and the Bible that built America. You hear a lot of discussion about that today, about, oh, no, it wasn't this, it wasn't that. It was this, it was a, a, the Geneva Bible. Well, the Geneva Bible was the Bible that many of the pilgrims had. Many people had Massachusetts Bay Colony. The Geneva Bible was last printed in 1644. It wasn't printed after 1644. Done. No more printing the Geneva Bible. So which Bible do you think was used to see revival in America and start the American colonies? King James Bible. It wasn't Geneva Bible. So you have to decide for yourself. I cannot decide for you. I wish I could preach a sermon and give a Bible lesson and have everybody agree with me. That would be great. No, that wouldn't be great because everybody be like me. And then that'd be a terrible place where everybody in the world was like me. The only person that doesn't think about that think would, be one, would be me until I had to live with me. So you have to determine for yourself. You have any doubt, get along with God, pray. And like I said, do the challenge. For one month, read whatever Bible that you have that's not the King James and get back to me. And let me see if you think that the Bible that you're reading is really the word of God. We are suffering in America today because so many other Bible versions that have been printed in error with clear mistakes and clear error 
and clear wrong doctrine, and most of it is the attacks on the deity of Christ, is being out there and used today. So a, a Bible version that's an error is called a perversion. And the Bible that we have is reflected in the people that is produced in America today. So don't we have so many perversions of people producing and developing and transforming and transgendering in the world today? That's indirect result of the perversions of the Bible that we have all throughout America. I understand nobody's preaching this, but I'm just going to tell you the truth. And somebody has to, somebody has to say and preach the truth. Another comparison you can do side by side, your version of the Bible with the King James Bible and read them both together. Do that for a month and then get back with me and let me hear what you have to say. God is good. Let me leave you with that positive note that God is good and God has preserved his word and he's promised that his word would not return void or empty and he is coming quickly. But so we want to see as many people saved as we can before Christ comes back. The way the world is right now is strong evidence. The corruption in the world is strong evidence that Christ is coming soon. Are you ready? Are you ready to meet your Savior? Look to the hills. Your redemption draweth nigh. He'll never come again.